Email oliver at rte.ie. He is a celebrated artist who came to painting professionally late-ish in life. Now, Paul McCormick is on a mission to give a voice to those who didn't always have one. He has something of a wish list of people who he wants to paint, and top of the list was Annie Murphy, uh, the woman, yes, who rocked the church in 1992. Uh, His astounding portrait of Annie Murphy is now showing in the National Gallery in Dublin as part of an exhibition featuring works shortlisted for the Zurich Portrait Prize. He's live in studio. Good morning to Paul McCormick. Good morning, Oliver. And it's an astounding portrait of Annie Murphy. Oh, thank you very much. Thank you. I, I'm proud of it myself, but it's it's nice to get compliments. How do you describe it? Is it photorealism? Yes, it is would be considered photorealism, photorealism. yes. Or, yes. Because initially you're kind of taken by the shock of this looks real, and yet there's an essence that's quite different to... Well, if you look closely at it, it is painterly in places. You can see the brush strokes, but... Yeah. Um, Certainly, from even just a metre away, it does look very realistically uh, photographic. The only difference is, from a photograph, when I took the pictures of Annie, I took quite a few shots. Things like the background would be, if you if, if you focus on the face, the background is out of uh, focus. If you focus on the hands, the face is out of focus. Yeah. So by combining images from maybe three or four different photographs, you get a nice clear shot of her. So how recent is the the, the photographs? The photograph was they... taken on the 27th of October uh, 2022. So oh, right. Very recently. A year and a year and four or five months. 22. And yeah. 1992, of course, is the year she came forward about her previous relationship with yes, Bishop yes. Eamon Casey, yeah. with wh- whom she had a son. With. Yes, Peter. Yeah. And what a strange world we were in in 1992. It was a very different world, which is when I did have a brief chat with her in, in California, you know, I was. I told her, Annie, you wouldn't recognise the Ireland that uh, we're in today. And I complimented her. I said, you know, you contributed towards it. You brought Ireland kicking and screaming into the secular world, you know? Yeah. It, it probably would have taken an American to do it. <laughs> well, <laughs> the I outsider, always, you know? I always uh, describe it as a hapless feminist, meaning that at the time there were lots of feminists who were, you know, leading the charge, going on the condom train up to Belfast and coming mm-hmm. back and really... But Annie just came to Ireland for, to use her own words, for serenity. She was going through a very acrimonious divorce. So she didn't really have a mission, you know. But in the end, through just circumstances, she changed the course of Irish history. She was extremely tough. Yeah, she was. She was quite a resilient woman. She brought up Peter on her own and she stuck to her guns. She would have come under enormous pressure to hand him up for adoption and stuff like that, yes. And even the... I don't want to call it a performance, but her testimony in 1992 on The Late Late Show is still a kind of a huge immortal television moment. Oh, it is. It's, I remember seeing it when it was live at the time. And then it, you can see the full script of it on YouTube. And in fairness to Gay Bourne, he's not here, he's dead now, poor man, but um, kind of treated her a bit harshly, I think. Yeah. And um, she... You know, the Irish press, there's a, a cutting for, I have from the Irish press the next day said it was more of an inquisition than uh, an interview. But I spoke to Annie about it and she said she's no hard feelings about it. She says, she says it looks bad. Some people said she stormed off. She didn't. She just parted. There was no sort of shake your hands and all that. She kind of parted, but she was delighted when I spoke to her. She was delighted she got the last word in. She said, the right. famous last words, I'm not so bad either, Mr. Bourne. And that you was know? in response to, to Gabo saying... Yeah, his famous line is, well, if your son is even half the man Bishop Eamon Casey is, he'll be a fine man. And, of course, Annie retorts, 
I'm not so bad either, Mr. Bourne. And um, she's almost drowned out by the audience, but she gets it in. Yeah, she? yeah. And that's the end. Yeah, of yeah, very, very yeah. memorable. And of course, in, in Gable's huge career, when people look for something bad to say, it, it is really this kind of is the area they point to. It isn't is, it? because the, he was a consummate mistake. broadcaster. Yeah. But um, Yet I he brought her story to. Yeah, I mean, it, it did explode onto the scene. And the fact that we're still talking about her now is the fact that he had her on the late, late. What if he said no? Well, he says, we don't want to feature you in your book, you know. <laughs> so all these years later, why did you specifically want to, to paint Annie? Well, I'm doing a series of paintings um, called The Vanquished Writing History. It's well known that the the victorious write history, okay? So the victors win something by force and then they make the law and then they say, this is the way it is and we were right all along. There's a lot of people who fall into the category who were not victorious. The people like the first woman in the series I did was Catherine Corliss and she represented the people of the um, the mother and child home, uh, the 796 uh, dead babies, basically. Yeah. So I wanted, to f- I wanted to find people who weren't digging into the past, going against people like Big Pharma, as in the case of thalidomide, or going against the state, or going against uh, religious institutions, and writing their account of how things were. Annie was top of the list. Like, Annie had the, the bishops sort of giving his account of the story and all that. She went up against the norms at the time. Mm-hmm. So she she's very hard to track down, but I did a bit of research. And believe it or not, uh, I dug up an article and it mentioned her boyfriend, her long-term partner, uh, a fellow called Thaddeus Heincombe. And believe it or not, I just... Google Thaddeus Heincombe and up came name, address, telephone number really? and Such I rang the number. Specific name. Yeah. yeah. And um, uh, Annie answered the phone. So that was it. Wow. I was able to arrange a chat with her. Yeah. Was she initially, no, I don't want to talk to you? No. Um, no, she she was very talkative. Uh, I just explained myself to her and then she was offline. Uh, she doesn't, she didn't have, a, she still doesn't, doesn't have a smartphone. She doesn't have email or anything like that. Mm. So I said, listen, I'll drop you, uh, I'll, I'll send you uh, an email of the, the, the portraits I've done so far. I had done about five. And she said, I'm not. So I had to send a snail mail to her and she got it. And as soon as she, and an outline of what it was all about. And as soon as she got it, she lifted the phone to me and says, I'm in. Um, so you, you met, met her in person? Yes, I did. Yeah. What, what was that day like? It was, well, it was a lovely, uh, the 27th of October. I mean, California, i just tell you, Annie moved to California because of Thaddeus. Thaddeus had had a heart attack. They were living in somewhere where they get snow in America. I don't know exactly where. Okay. And Thaddeus had had a heart attack shoveling the snow uh, in the driveway. And she said, I don't want to move. I want to move somewhere where they don't get snow. So they went to a, a, a city outside of L.A. called Riverside. And they were living in a trailer park. So she was very welcoming and I got on great with Thaddeus. He's an artist, or was an artist. Sadly, Thaddeus died of a heart attack since, since then. then. Yeah, he, and then yeah. Annie herself had a mini stroke, so she's not 100%. Yeah. So I was delighted I got her when I got her. I was glad, glad I didn't procrastinate. Because she holds herself really well, the pose. Ah, she's very dignified. You can and, tell the strength. Yeah, and she's great. She was in great form and... Um, she just she has she only has the fondest memories of Ireland, and she didn't even she thought Gabon was just doing his job. There's no bitterness, yeah. bitterness or anything like that. She just thought he was doing his job. You have to play devil's advocate, you know. God, it's it's an incredible story, and yeah. the, the, again, yeah. her resilience coming through. So you go off with your photographs, you paint this incredible portrait. How long does it take to, to work on the? Book? And normally, a single portrait takes me a month. 
Right. But Annie's took two months. And the reason... And you're is, working every day? Yes, about seven days a week. Now, I do take the odd day off, but uh, yeah. five or six hour day. And I, when I say a five to six hour day, I mean actually painting. I don't, I don't mean... You know, having a break or answering no, yeah. Facebook. It's not the uh, shift yeah, that's, yes. uh, that they're working So um, it took two months. And the reason why is her dress alone took 22 days. I kid you not. I couldn't believe wow. it myself. Describe the dress. Okay, the dress is a floral dress. And it's a long one. It's right down to the ankles. and it's. But what's unusual about it is it doesn't have a pattern. In as much as a pattern, by definition, repeats. Yeah. It is one single print of flowers that are a rose-coloured rose, olive-coloured greens. There's a sort of forget-me-not, a pale forget-me-not blue flower. And then you have the natural folds in a dress. So when, a dre- when you sit down, the dress folds, okay? So you have light <laughs> and shadow. But to make it really difficult, she was sitting in her garden and there was dappled light coming through. So you have parts of the dress which are very brightly lit and you have parts of the dress that are in shadow. It took forever to do it. Each day I go to the studio and say, I'm going to finish the dress today. And each day I just get a little bit of it done. It's interesting because it's a kind of a pattern that it once sort of says, this is an elderly woman, but also, you know, a woman who's great beauty. And you can see the way she, she's still this very attractive looking woman. Oh, yeah, she's great features. And just the look, the, the dignified look and and. It was just great. It's always great to meet. They say you should never meet your heroes. You're always going to be disappointed. But I, I was, I was, like I was still so proud to have met her. Did you send her the portrait? Uh, I did, but it came back. Um, this is how I found out she there was something wrong with her address. Okay. What happened was as soon as I was shortlisted for the Zurich, I rang her because I knew there was a chance that uh, journalists may want to talk to her. So just so that she was forewarned, uh, and the the number came back uh, not not connected anymore. Right. And then I, then I said I'd send her um, send her uh, a, a large, a good, an A4 size reproduction of the of the uh, thing with a thank you letter of the portrait with a thank you letter. And then um, that came back to me like the old Elvis song, "Return to Sender uh, Address, yeah. No Forwarding Address." So I knew there was something wrong. So what happened was I got on to the LA Times and I just told them the story, a brief uh, outline of the story. And within a half an hour, journalist Noah Goldberg got on to me and he said, this is a great story. Have you never come across it? He'd never even heard of it before. He got back to me within an hour and further, he had driven out to her place in Riverside. Uh, It's abandoned. And he spoke to the neighbours and he was able to give me the sad news that Thaddeus had died and Annie herself had suffered a mini stroke. And Peter came across from Massachusetts and took her back east. And that's where she resides now. Peter, her son. Yes. So she's in the East Coast now. Yes. Is she unwell? Do you um, know? I don't fully know. I think she's largely recovered from the stroke. Mm-hmm. But she does know uh, that the portrait is on show hanging in Ireland and both Peter and her are delighted. You have a list of portrait subjects. Yes. Who else? Can you give us an overview of, of who else is on that list? Okay, well the first one was uh, Catherine Corliss. Now that's mm-hmm. been purchased by the National Gallery of Ireland for their permanent collection. Great. I then have uh, Martin and Peggy Murphy who are survivors of thalidomide. Mm-hmm. I have um, uh, the late Vicky Phelan and then I have lots of people from survivors of the Troubles in the North who yeah. have agreed um, to, to be with me. So I did, I just finished one of John Taggart, who um, 
he works as a community acti- activist now. He's a lovely man, and he well, his father was one of the victims of the what became known as the Ballymorphy massacre. It was also yeah. known as the siege of Ballymorphy, where British paratroopers basically. Ballymorphy had become a bit of a no-go area around the time of internment and British paratroop regiment decided to sort of teach them a lesson. They basically surrounded Ballymorphy for three days. They killed 11 people. Uh, for, uh, 10 were shot, one died of a heart attack on the scene. And uh, 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 John Taggart's father, Daniel Taggart, was shot 14 times. Yeah. And uh, there's never been uh, uh, anybody charged or anything with the with the killings. And know. it's the same parachute regiment. The same for, ones for who Bloody just Sunday a few months went Derry. on to do Bloody Sunday, exactly. Yeah, and then after Bloody Sunday, they went to the Spring Hill place and they they killed four or six people. Yeah, and in the case of Bally Murphy, as in as in Derry, they tried to besmirch the victims. As, oh as, yeah, they tried to make them out to be, you know, um, you know the Widgery tri- as in Derry, the Widgery Tribune was mm. considered a, a whitewash. But then later on, uh, David Cameron apologised, and um, but I think still, it's only twenty twenty. It's only two or three years since the Bally Murphy victims were were finally acknowledged by the British yes, state as they were, yes. being completely innocent victims. Yes, yes. Uh, and as I said at the start, you've come to it latish in life. I have. The success has come. You could say I'm one of these overnight successes after 20 <laughs> years. Yeah. But I've been plugging away. Uh, when I used to work for Aircom, which is now called Air. And, you know, at the time, Air was a handy number. You could come home. You wouldn't be exhausted at the end of the day. So I'd paint in the evening. And I had quite a few exhibitions and all that, but none of them really got any attention. You and know? if I can rewind slightly, because you, you, when you were finishing school, you really wanted to go to art college. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, well, I did the Leaving Cert in 1979. Good man. And all my, a, lot of, a lot of my mates in the school, the school was an amazing school. It's Patrician College in Finglas, mm-hmm. and it has closed since. But I will say to them, they, they did do something that was uncommon at the time. They put a fair amount of, not pressure, but guidance on us. They said, you know, let's go to university or third level. So a lot of my friends in my class, we was about 25 in the Leaving Cert class, quite a few of them were going on to university, which was a big thing for fingless lads to yeah, do, you yeah. know, at the time. But I got into art college. My father... Um, thought that art college was, you know, in some ways it was correct. Art college doesn't guarantee a job. I mean, if you do engineering in university, you pretty much got to get a job as an engineer. If you do the arts, you can... This is a tough time in yeah. the whole country, and especially Dublin. Yeah, and it was, 79 was, we were still in recession, and became a recession. The 80s was a really tough time. So he put pressure on me not to take the job, and yeah. I, had got a, I had got a job in what was known as air has morphed over the years it started off (laughs) as a department of post and telegraphs it became telecom air which was semi-state it became aircom which was private and now it's air so you were in the 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 telecom telecom version of the department of post and telegraphs with the orange vans were the post yes they all remember those days yes so that was where your life went in you went into the civil service yeah it was 22 years in in aircom And um, then I got an opportunity to take uh, voluntary redundancy. I became a full-time artist and then I went to UCD, studied history of art, and then I went on to IADT, studied fine art, and graduated in 2006. I have two BAs at my ba-ba. <laughs> um, I've been practising as a, 
as a, uh, an artist ever since. You know. And so 22 years later than planned, yes. you, you started out. Well, art is your living now. It is, yeah. So I'm, right. uh, I, I'm registered with tax as a self-employed artist, yes. It is. You don't have to um, tell it. It's all about <laughs> forward, yeah. But, then, you know, so, <laughs> but it's the first time in my life I, I had to register as self. It, it really kind of dawns on you when you have to register as you know, with revenue as a self-employed artist. Yes, know. okay. It it uh, that feel like a good moment. Oh, it's great. Yeah, okay. it, 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 you're finally there. You know. Yeah. Good yeah. old Charlie High brought that in. He he brought in the tax exemption. Yeah, yeah. That, the that, artist exemption. I, 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 uh, did your dad live to see you become the artist? Uh, he didn't. Sadly, my oh. dad died at uh, fifty-eight and a half of uh, oh, cancer. So no, he didn't. No, it's always. Uh, I feel, you know, anybody who dies young, especially somebody who's working all his life and didn't manage to retire, mm. he was robbed of life. But that's that's cancer for you. It's very, but it's worked out well for you art-wise because celebrated artists now are doing amazing work. And what part of Dublin are you painting? I live in Kilbarrick. So oh, that's where I have Roddy Doyle country. My house is in two, you know, the um, the, the Barrytown trilogy, yeah. which starts off the commitments. Yeah. The uh, the snapper and the van. Mm-hmm. My house is in, it's in the snapper and the van. You mean it's mentioned or it's no? In the, it's, it's in the film version. Brilliant. The Zurich Portrait Prize and all of those portraits are available to see in the National Gallery, including Annie Mo- Murphy. Yes, and it's free. Yeah, and it's completely free. Yeah. Uh, listen, pa- Paul McCormick, it's been an absolute delight. Uh, thanks a million. Uh, best of luck with the rest of your big list of celebrating unsung heroes. Oh yeah, yeah. And uh, keep it going. I will indeed. Thanks, thanks a million. Five one five five one. That's the text. From the North, text studio, followed by your message to 80889.